0: We're doing the Popcast.
1: Yeah,
0: court on the left. That's how I roll in. Mm, court on the left. And there we the, go. Oh. Feels intimate. <laughs> It feels, it feels like we're in a Nettibane. Yeah.
1: Well, you want to do it? Yeah, man. I'm glad you're here, Doug Griffey. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I, it's ben
0: sh- Fields.
1: Can you Benjamin.
0: Believe- ben. Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I can't believe I've only known you for a couple months. It seems like we should have crossed paths long uh, before now.
0: We have entirely too much in common to have not crossed paths. So, yes, it is very strange, but, uh, you know.
1: You're from Knoxville, right? I am. Mm-hmm. Part I of the
0: gr- town you grow up in? Grew up in Powell. Ah. No, there's a W in that word. So
1: <laughs> there's What you usually have to tell people is there's L's in that word. Correct. Yeah, that's true. It's not yeah. Powell.
0: Yes. Yes. It's Powell. But um, I guess I got to college and started massively attempting to have non-regional diction, but... It doesn't always work.
1: <laughs> it's I can't tell. I can't tell where you're from. You could uh, have been a. You could have been a sportscaster in Wyoming for all sure. I knew, yeah. You know? uh, never actually been to Wyoming, so. Oh, you gotta go, man. I'm Is going. I'm going in March. Ooh. I used to go there when I was a kid. It's, what are you doing in Wyoming? Uh, going skiing, Jackson Hole. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my entire family went to Jackson Hole once and uh, didn't uh, invite me. Why not? <laughs> not really. It didn't invite me, but I think it's. Uh, Maddie, my wife, and I were... What was it we were doing when they went? <laughs> there was a point where it was just like, oh, yeah, we just figured you wouldn't be able to go because of scheduling. Like, you didn't think to oh, ask me? Cool, okay. I mean, that's fine, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> have you ever been skiing? They seem to have had skiing before? I used to snowboard a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Although, from a snowboarding standpoint, my wife and I have dated since 2012... So we're going into our 11th year of being together, and I have not snowboarded once since, since, since being then. together. Huh. N- not because of her, but just somehow my snowboard has moved from house to house that we've lived in, but I've never actually ridden it
1: <laughs> since we've been in a relationship. I have a wakeboard <laughs> sitting right behind the shop here that oh, nice. I have that I have not... Uh, yeah, I think I got it in like 2005. It was the last wakeboard I ever got. Same. Haven't ridden it since... Uh, since about 2007.
0: I haven't ridden a wakeboard since I perforated my eardrum riding one.
1: People think water doesn't hurt. Oh, it hurts a lot. It's like yeah. just pavement. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you were into like, uh, you look like a sporty dude. Like you were, you know, an athlete growing up. Uh, I had a lot of uh, things that I tried
0: and uh, didn't do all of them great at. So, but, you know, I tried them. Yeah. I mean, I snowboarded since I was. I, don't know, I guess I started like freshman year in high school. Hmm. A bunch of the juniors that I hung out with a lot were into it, so started going with them, and then did it through all you know all of my friends we did in college and past. But then it's just like you know <laughs> getting into real you know in in into the world and having to work a lot. You start realizing like, oh, let's do this trip. It's like ah, I gotta work, and then it's like, oh, nope, something came up. We gotta work. You know, it's like timing always became the issue with going. Another thing is getting injured. Uh
1: yeah. And like, that's true. Getting older too, which is kind it's the of The biggest
0: thing that scares me about it now, but it's like we've talked about doing um a lock and key ski trip. We're trying to see when one could pan out, but no one has like all the same availability. And Devin is really trying to get me to go, and I would love to, and I've told him multiple times like going to do it. And then it's like all the dates he's gone, it's like <clears throat> unavailable uh crap same 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 thing
1: yeah that when you get to a certain level happens. it's yeah, i run into it with like our uh, fantasy football draft every year everybody mm-hmm. there's 10 of, uh, 11 of us we have to work we have jobs None of us are independently wealthy, so yep. uh, we, yep. we we have families. You got all all the well, all the things, the that important take, things in life, you know. Yeah, exactly. But we have to plan that stuff out a year in advance yep. to get everybody together. It has to be the fr- it has to be on this calendar before everything else, Correct. unless that weekend. Uh, otherwise, that weekend gets taken.
0: Right, and again, that's another one of those things. Like um, we were talking before, you know, I feel very much uh, like I'm a jack of all traits and a master of you know very few, if any. Uh, but you know, snowboarding was one of those things, that, like. I could always do it to a certain level but I never went enough to get past that certain level of skill. I never really lost it. Like I could wait a year and go back and be like, "Oh, my friends are like, "Oh man, <laughs> you still got it. You can still snowboard." I'm like, "Yeah, but I could never get past this mark right here. Yeah. I'm always just going to be up to here. Not really ever going to do that jump or go to the, you know, to the park and do any of that stuff. I can get down the mountain. I can go, I can do cutting. It's great. I can keep up with you guys. I don't really get hurt. It's fun. That's about it. <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. So.
1: Well, I, I, uh, man, I saw like a, what, what is it? A Millennium Falcon in your office? Is that what that is? Or, or that's from Star Trek, isn't it? I'm really disappointing you, aren't I? <laughs> Doug, I'm not your level, nerd, dude. I it's cannot get there. It's okay. Get there. It's okay. There. It's okay. We'll, what is it? We'll get you. There. Is that the Star Trek Enterprise? That is the Enterprise. Okay. Yes, I got there. It's the Enterprise D from the Next Generation. So yep. did you, so you made that model mm-hmm. yourself?
0: Yeah. I, well, yes, it I, was from a kit, but I did the kit, fully lit Can it. you
1: describe what it is to people? Because I, I find that to be a fascinating hobby.
0: Sure. Um, so ever since I was a kid, I was a big, uh, very big into Legos and um, model kits. So, you know, plastic styrene models that, you know, have instructions. They tell you how to put it together. Um and I have a lot in a closet that, as a kid, you have these lofty goals of being like, I can do this. And I did them okay. And then when I got older, I was like, oh, I actually now have all the skill sets to actually make these better. And you're like, oh, crap. And, you know, again, as an adult, I find that you, like, you come back to a lot of things that you enjoyed when you were younger. And that you actually now sometimes, like, I need a hobby outside of, like, you know, the family time and your work time and all of your other, you know, day-to-day things like what is my you know what is my release what is my sort of chill out and have a moment it's like you know I really do enjoy building things always like you know teachers whenever I was young were like oh he's going to be an engineer and then I was like oh I don't really like math that much Mm. you know it's like that part of like actually being an engineer would be very the the big picture part would be cool the minute part of having to like Actually figure out how to do all of it that part probably would be very fun at least for me um but building models was something that was very tactile, like working with your hands and could figure out the solutions but you know I also really put you know I put lights into all of them, so there's you know leds they flash you know they're all connected on switches so
1: it's yeah. wild, and you showed me uh a Ghostbusters costume photos of it oh yes that, yeah. that you had made for your daughter and yourself maybe yes so for Halloween yes dude it looks like a <laughs> it looks like something that uh, a, a toy maker would manufacture on steroids like it looks like it, it, it it's perfect. It looks like it came off. The, at least the photos I saw it looked like it came off of an assembly line somewhere.
0: Well, it's it's gonna hang in my office at work uh, whenever I do the final touches on it. It's not complete,
1: but it's like one of the backpacks. What are they called? Yeah, the proton packs. Yeah, yeah. the proton mm-hmm, packs. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. a, a a scale mod or a, it's a replica. Pretty. much. It's a one to one replica.
0: Yeah. So basically, uh, my daughter Eloise, which is yeah. also your daughter. <laughs> Uh, like I said we have a lot in common um, she, She's not my
1: daughter But my daughter has the same, same name yeah. Yes correct
0: correct we don't have the same daughter That would be strange um, She is turning two In February and You know this my wife and I were talking about Like well, what are you going to go with Halloween and this was The end of last year or li- the last Halloween We're like oh what should we go for Like, I'm Oh you know she could go as A state buff marshmallow man and we could go as Ghostbusters. I was like great you know I can, I can Make us proton packs this will be great and I put it off, you know, until August of this past year. Uh, and, you know, you're like, oh, crap. And I was like, well, maybe we push it to next year. And my wife was like, well, you do realize that this is probably the last year that we're going to be able to dictate what she goes for as Halloween. I was like, yeah. ah. So under a very large crunch time, I was like, oh, so I have two months to custom fabricate Two Proton Packs. Okay. And my problem is is that I'm, I have a certain level of OCD and, like, not perfectionism, but, like, I really, you know, if I'm going to go into something, I don't want to, A, half-ass it and, B, like, sacrifice certain things that I want. And I've always wanted a Proton Pack. So I was like, well, I want this to be movie accurate. So I found um, there's a forum for Ghostbusters fans called GBFans.com. And there was someone who was able to take um, micrometer measurements of a screen-used proton pack, and they made blueprints. And I took those blueprints and got them all and printed them out one-to-one scale and then took my own micrometer and then measured and then scratch-built two proton packs from myself and my wife um, out of sheet styrene and other pieces around the house. And yeah, it took two and a half months of every single day after work and if if my daughter was not awake and I wasn't at work I was working on them
1: (laughs) they they light up they make noises yeah like if 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 most people's child told them or, or, or if they decided that they wanted to go uh as a ghostbuster or anything anything that required that type of accessory I would assume that 90% Ninety percent of people would start with a cardboard box, a pool noodle, uh maybe some washi tape and spray paint and and kind of just go from there. This is a far cry from that. This could have damn, been damn, in damn. the movie,
0: yeah, I mean well so and it harkens back to again interests like the whole reason why I do what I do now is because of movies, I and mean, I fell in love with movies when I was a kid, I've always enjoyed you know. The magic of them, the Mm. escapism, the suspension of disbelief, the sitting in a room, the lights are dark and I am somewhere else watching someone else's story just completely engaged Mm. like that. I mean, I think the first movie that I really realized, like, this is what I want to do for a, a living and figure out how to do it because it seemed like the possibilities were Endless, was Jurassic Park. So it came out in 93. I'm 38. So I would have been, I think it came out in June of 93. So I would have been eight, maybe. Yeah. Turning nine in that December. Um, And I saw that movie 12 times in theaters yeah. before <laughs> it came out on VHS. <laughs> so like every birthday party that any of my friends had was to go see Jurassic Park. My birthday party was going to, you know, like... Every time that I could get into a theater to go see the movie, I went and saw it.
1: It was the movie. It was the movie. Yeah. I mean,
0: and still to this day, like it is it is in my top five movies of all time. It will always be, because it is it is the thing that made me realize that you can tell any story you want. The technology was getting there. Like you you can say whatever you want and you can make me as a as a, as an eight-year-old kid completely believe you and be blown away by it. Um And so, so then like visual effects and miniatures, and I've always been into that. Uh, There was a show on, I think Discovery, it was called Movie Magic, Hmm. and it basically was a a behind the scenes show, Uh, and it, you know, told you how all the tricks were done in movies, you know. All the miniature work, and it showed you all the documentary style BTS footage of them making the movie and blowing a small house up to make it look like that. The speed train, all of that sort of stuff. So, that stuff just I was enamored by it and loved it. I mean, I watched every episode of that show. I still, to this day, when I buy movies, I buy movies even digitally based off of which one has the best special features because I.
1: Like I the care. DVD equal, extras yeah, like I don't buy
0: physical copies of anything <laughs> right. anymore, really. It's all digital. But, but it's you like figuring hear the- out which is iTunes the better purchase or is Prime Fit? You know, like which one has the better special feature options? Because if I'm gonna spend money to buy a movie anymore, it's gonna have the best special features options.
1: So documentaries,
0: everything else.
1: So you wanna you you are obsessed with the man behind the curtain. Yes. With with what's happening back there. And you want to hear from the directors, from the special effects people, how they did it. Yeah. So, like, the first job
0: I wanted to do was I wanted to be a model maker and then be a model cameraman. Like, I wanted to build the models and then shoot those models, blow them up, you know, detail them, do the whole thing, and all that kind of stuff. Like, that was what I really got into. So, like, again, the Proton Pack to me is like a realization of a childhood dream. I had a toy Proton Pack, but now this is the having the skill set and all the things I dreamed about as a 10 year old and a nine year old, I actually could, I can do now. Now, you know, it took a lot of time and some frustrations, but again, it was also like something that I got a lot of joy out of. Spent probably too much money on them. uh. But sorry, Maddie. Um, <laughs> but you know, I will, look, one will hang in my office at home and one will hang at my office at work because again, I'm proud of those pieces and they're, I don't know, it's something I've always wanted to do, and I finally got to do it, so.
1: Did you ever get into, like, claymation or anything like that? Oh.
0: I mean, that's where I started filming with stop-motion stuff when I was a kid. That's what I Me and my friends all did stop-motion. We did it with our, you know, our toy figures. You know, we would do entire Jurassic Park, like, you know, we would spend an entire weekend filming stop-motion, and then to realize, like, we messed one thing up or, you know... A whole part of the tape messed up because this was back in the tape days and then you had, it was and most of it we had to do linearly because we didn't have any sort of an editing system and right. like my friend finally got this essentially reel-to-reel editor that we could kind of start making some actual cuts and stuff wow. and it worked so sluggishly and it was so strange and it was very very at this point extremely antiquated but yeah I mean we would do all these you know um linear style cutting of stop animation and you know that was what most of my friends would do when we were you know 10 to 15 basically do you still have any of those (laughs) uh i don't my good friend kirby may (laughs) but i haven't seen any of
1: those in years probably not (laughs) i mean in in you know, you're 10 years old. That's you said you're 38. That's 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, filmmaking tools were not accessible to us when we were when we were kids. Oh no! I mean, we're we're talking maybe Super 8. Maybe was super, were Super 8 camcorders like around yet, or were you using a, a still photography camera? What no. Were you, what were you using to to create these models remember. and stop motion? scenes? I don't remember
0: the camera that Kirby's dad had. We had one that was a VHS. So basically, shoulder-mounted camera that had a tether cable that went to a box that you held essentially on your hip that had a VHS in it. Gotcha. So it essentially was like you had a VHS deck on your hip and you you wore around your thing and had a tether cable that went up to the camera. And a sensor
1: and a lens on your shoulder. Correct. And you were were taping
0: it to that VHS and that VHS was that. So like the reel-to-reel editor we had was like two VHSs. Wow. So you could make... You could do some insert cuts and some very, very ah, basic sort of stuff. Yeah. So
1: you're dubbing, pretty much. You, essentially, you're dubbing, yes. You
0: had you had one t- – yeah, it was very slow and very
1: annoying. <laughs> that's that's fascinating, though, that you guys had the – I don't know, the technical understanding and also – Oh, none of it was very good
0: by any means. But, <laughs> well, but, we, but you had the desire
1: fun. to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you had the tools, and the tools were crude, mm-hmm. and you made them work. I also – Totally burnt the entire top of my
0: of my good friend Kirby's head with uh, burnt. Yeah, we did one where we made an entire mock city and we had a Godzilla, and he was operating camera and had the camera low, and I had Godzilla and we shot the flame through and it bounced off the ground and incredible shot. Bounces off the ground, burns a car, comes a- across the top of the camera lens and then just catches the entire top of his head on fire, dude. And if you've ever smelt burnt hair, it is. Terrible.
1: So, Terrible. were you using like hairspray oh, and lighter? Yeah. No, is absolutely. that how we did this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What kind? Do you remember what kind of uh, how you got the hairspray through the Godzilla to uh, to to make it hit the flame?
0: Uh, it was a hand puppet Godzilla, so we had like gone up through you know where your hand would go, and that was in the center of it, so that it would come out the center of the mouth.
1: And you had the Aquanet back Correct. there, which Correct. is the, you know the standby potato gun, but in, uh,
0: in, in classic fashion because he's looking through the camera lens and he doesn't understand what's happened and hasn't even really smelled it or felt it yet, he's like, oh my god, incredible, keep rolling. And I'm like, Kirby, 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 ah! Huh? And then just like, you know, I yeah. I ruined the shot because I'm running over to try to put his head out. And yeah, he's
1: like, like, what are you doing? It's like, dude, I'm saving your life. Yeah, uh, what is it cinematic immunity? Is that where you... Uh, uh,
0: I well, yeah, feel like
1: nothing can hurt you if well, there's if there's a uh, a lens in between your face I and whatever's happening. I You're like, oh, lose... that's a rabid animal that I'm filming two feet from, but I'll be fine with yeah, this lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it was Peter Jackson who said it. Someone said, "Um, pain is temporary, film is forever.
1: I'll, I'll, so, I'll take it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I've always thought that. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get past this, but this will last for a long time.
1: That is why.
0: That Godzilla movie is going to last for a long time. <laughs>
1: That's why safety is such a big part, uh, a big part of what we do, because you get so lost in making yep. the picture pretty yep. that you forget that you're I mean, your there's own a lot disbelief of, is suspended. You know,
0: there's a lot of real people who are working very hard and long hours and you forget that like, you know, you have especially whenever you're the director, or you're the person who is like the lead creative. It's like you you see the full picture and you know when you're getting it. Not everyone necessarily can. And sometimes you're like, wow, we've we've I forget that it's hour 18. We should probably leave like we should probably cut. We should probably stop working right now. Like, what are we doing? You know, it's like, no, it's safety and and having checks and balances in the film industry, I think, is very important because you can get very lost very quickly.
1: I worry about it with the cavalier nature of where I feel like filmmaking is is going now. The, Mm. uh, The gatekeepers or the barriers to entry, rather, are so low now. All you needs a camera, mm-hmm. uh, and you know a little bit of, of, of crude <laughs> lighting tools to to get going. Uh, but because of that, a lot of the practices that were put in place years ago uh, in studios and when people were making big films with heavy lights and all those hot lights, correct? Uh, yeah. All those the, safety was a big part of it. And now I feel like with uh, with the, the the cavalier nature of uh, where the where the uh, motion picture creation industry is headed, like it seems like that's not something people learn or care about on the front end anymore, and I, they should. I agree. Um,
0: and you know, kind of mildly to backtrack, you like I wish, like I would have had the tools that kids have today. Like it's incredible what yeah someone can actually make yeah at the age of ten nowadays yeah. uh, at a very you know pseudo affordable level but just accessible level
1: i mean your parents have a phone if you're a kid yeah and that thing has a much nicer camera on it than anything we (laughs) ever ever, absolutely uh hell better than i had in college
0: um but yeah you're right there's like anything i think the problem when something is really accessible is like sometimes you lose the respect for a the craft and b the process to that the craft takes to do,
1: I've seen such a weird shift since the the film to video. Ever since the Red One came out in the you know mid aughts or sure. late aughts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you started to to see this old guard of people. I had uh, uh, Randy Reed on the podcast mm-hmm. who uh, has been around forever doing it in the business and and and, yeah. and, I mean, and started the business. I mean, right. in this in this area, yeah, Absolutely. and lived you know through that big paradigm shift in the in the late aughts. And I could tell with him. I mean, he even said, "Like I pissed a lot of people off when I was because I took the craft seriously, yeah. and people were just coming in with these n- new—I'll say, you know—again, cavalier ways of doing things, and they weren't aren't respecting the craft because it is so accessible and so easy, and it diminish it, it. It not to say that your ego gets tied up and how hard you work to learn all of these. Uh, all of these filmmaking sure, sure, conventions, sure, sure. Yeah, these yeah. rules, and how to use these tools, and and all that, and and but but when people come in and and start just like oh that's easy oh what you do is easy like it it, it people buck up a little bit they and too. people start to start say oh it's not as easy as you think right and then you have a little bit of an overcorrection to complicate things correct To yes. to, to it's, it, it's a balance and it's like
0: it's a tough thing I think that anything in life you have to adapt to get out of the way. And that's a tough thing for a lot of people, especially whenever those people have spent their entire life, you know, working towards a specific goal or working towards a specific thing that they are phenomenal at. And yes, to have cavalier people come in, it it, it can be hurtful, but it's like you have to understand that they're they're also bringing something to the table that you're, you sometimes can't see. But you have to find a, a middle ground to be able to work together. To be able to be like, look, I can I can bring you institutional knowledge and and a skill set and the and the why behind we're doing this and the reason why the safety is important and the reason why um, you should always operate a stand like this. But you're bringing a totally fresh knowledge, be- you know, like a perspective on something because a there is so much to be said about youth in being able to bring fresh ideas and i think that you you know you also can't be blinded by oh well i have all this skill and i have wisdom and i have age and yada 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 because you have to make sure that like you know i need to be able to be a mentor for somebody because yes they may not they may come in cavalier but it's like i'm never going to be able to be the most up-to-date with the tiktok or anything that you know in our industry is what we rely on like we rely on getting messages out to people through these social media points I didn't have social media when I was younger I didn't have it until college I was you know it didn't early exist adopted. until didn't, we were in college and because of that I use it a certain way and I and there is a point to me that I do say you know a little old manny but it's like I you know really don't social media that much I I use it to reshare things that I do at work and that I you know my work does that I'm proud of. Um and make certain life, you know, uh acknowledgments, you know, having a baby, you know, yada yada yada. And reshare things my wife posts. But, you know, I I don't I don't interact with it the way that, you know, someone coming in fresh out of college does. I need their perspective. I need to be able to get them to be, you know, use them in a way it's like, hey, man, give us that input. Like I need to know what is 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 trending. How do, how do we how do we create content for these mediums? But yet, at the same time, I can give them skill sets of, yeah, I know you can operate a camera, and yes, you can edit, and that that was great, but now I can help you round out the ability to make that, like, but I can make your idea phenomenal if you mm. just think about these three or four core concepts that you're overlooking but are really important and, like, also remind people that, you know, this industry has been around for a long time, they've done it a certain way for a long time, and it's worked out pretty well for that amount of time, so... You know, also be, you know, humble to the fact that, like, you can always learn something from somebody. So, like, you know, an, a a youth coming in and 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 saying, well, you know, I'm really good at this and you, you saw my work and it's phenomenal, right? And it's like, well, yeah, it is good, but, you know, be a little humble about it. You know, it's like <laughs> there is something to learn from everyone else in the industry. I learn something every day and I've been doing it for, you know, not that long, but I've been doing it for f- 15, 18, 15 yeah. years, you know, it's like yeah. been doing it a decent amount of you know, time, but I still know that I learned something every day, you know? And it's like, I had great mentors in the industry when I first started and that's, I still work with those mentors today. Like I, you know, Chris Durfee was one of my first, you know, great Catherine mentors. And like, I love him. I still use him all the time. And Same. anytime I can, I, I'm like, let's get Durfee on again. You know, it's like, it's important to me. Like I, I try to pay the respect, respect is due and hope that other people will, do the same.
1: Yeah. Uh I just to say a word about Chris Durfee, man, like phenomenal I, dude. I would not be able to make the things look half as good as I can today if it weren't for that guy.
0: He taught me what negative fill was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> On the I first
0: thought, one of the first gigs I ever did with him. He's like, You want some ne- negative fill? And I was like, Yeah. Yeah, I want that.
1: And then he put it in, I was like, Oh, oh it's taking light away. The opposite of Phil. Copy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> cool. But in, in Chris Durfee, not to speak for him, but he will tell you that the reason that he is still kicking ass in the industry in his 50s and still someone who people like you and I... Doesn't look a day over 40. He doesn't, does he? No. But he, he's a guy that uh, that is still as relevant as he's ever been at making things look incredible. He's great. He is. and the re- And he'll tell you that the reason... Uh, that that the reason he's even in the business and was able to to do so well is because people took him in when he started and didn't know anything. Absolutely, and they weren't. Uh, it goes back to the humility thing, though. They they you know they took him in and were willing to show him things because he didn't think that he knew it all, yeah. and he and he wasn't a threat. He has always told me that like if it weren't for Tony Carapi and Michael Underwood or two you know two guys who uh, don't live in Knoxville anymore, but they brought this amount of professionalism to the scene. Mm -hmm. They were the Randy Reeds of the world, that, that, that level, um, you know, because they wanted to share with him and they wanted to share a legacy with him. And because he was a a humble dude, um, it's the whole reason that he was able to learn and to hone his craft to be one of the best gaffers in the Southeast. Absolutely. I mean,
0: You know, my first free PA gig I ever did um, was for JTV. Mm. And it was actually like one of their on-site shoots where they were doing like a house shoot. And my good friend from college, Alyssa Maddox, um, she actually was working at JTV at the time. And I, you know, I had technically graduated before Alyssa, but, you know, when we got out of college, I, you know... I got like a government job that had nothing to do with production, right out of you know, right out of college, and I was like, "Sweet, got work. It's fine, whatever." And then the government money got pulled six months later, and I was back in the restaurant business because ah. I, I did not have it. And I graduated uh, college in 2018, so you know, uh, oh. not 2018, 2008. Wow, wow <laughs> Jesus, okay, math, 2008. So you know, there was a bit of a recession going on whenever I graduated sure. college. Um, so it was tough trying to find something and. You know, she was like, hey, you know, you should, you know, I basically put your name in, you know, obviously you're not going to get paid, but you can come and just shadow. And that first shadowing gig was Chris Durfee was gaffing. um, Or Tad Howard. Tad or? was key grip. Uh, Dustin Tate actually was on it as well. And I think and Dream Team. Um, Ryan Acree, wow. I think, was cam
1: actually. Oh, he worked at Jewelry Television yeah, for a yeah. while. Yeah, and
0: then... He was um, a staff guy. Yeah, he was a staff guy, and yeah. then Gary Brooks was on yeah. it. It's so like all of my first experiences, and they were phenomenal. Again, like, worked a super long day, you know, classic hey, go to the group truck and grab this, and I had no idea what it was, you know, because yeah. I went to UT, I was in the communication department. I will say that my education there was fine. You know, it's like I got to rent gear, I got to make content, and I the professors who I got the most out of, you know, I I I worked towards only doing the video production class as much as I could. You know, mm-hmm. technically, it was a journalism electronic media degree. Yep. I took one journalism writing course. Uh, you know, I took I knew the focus point that I wanted to go in and I, I definitely, you know, drove that home. Um, And it, you know, I still say it didn't give me as many onset skills as I wish I would have had. I did not necessarily know the name of every piece of gear on a grip truck, which most people out of college wouldn't, right. you know, um, but I had to go thumb around and figure out, where is this? It's labeled, I bet, you know, but they were super gracious. And so they could have totally just written me off as this kid who doesn't know anything, but they didn't. They took me under their wing. They invited me for drinks, you know, after the shoot, they're like, hey, we're going to go to Aubrey's. Do you want to, you know, come get a beer with us? And I was like, yes, that would be great. You know, it's like, you know, they, you know, gave me roles as CTO because it was, you know, from the truck that they'd already cut. So, you know, it's an expendable, get rid of it. So, you know, it's, it was a very, and then later on, you know, at Jupiter, you know, I was able, you know, I was DPing and directing Snapped and I had Durfee as my gaffer. So it's like a very strange place to come back around to. And now I still, anytime I can get Durfee on a gig as my gaffer, I'm going to get him on a gig as my gaffer because...
1: Durfee's awesome. Be nice to the PAs because they're going to be hiring you in a few years. You know,
0: you never know. You (laughs) never know. Um, I also learned one of the best rules on set is never run on set. I, you know, I was running on set to go uh, move a shiny board and, you know, Tad very nicely is like, hey, just want to let you know, you know, we don't ever run on set, you know, mainly because it looks like something's wrong. So let's not make anybody do something, you know, seem like something's wrong. And then B, you can fall. Don't hurt yourself. It's like, oh, perfect. Thanks. Safety and don't make the producers think there's an issue going on. Copy.
1: Do you know what? uh, Do you know how I learned not to run on set? I was. You tripped. I didn't trip. (laughs) I should have. And it probably was not the first time I had run on set. Mm -hmm. But I was running to get a uh, card for the camera Ah, uh, out of a camera bag. Mm -hmm. And Chris Durfee looked at me dead in the eyes and said, Firemen don't run. I mean, it's a valid point. I also love it.
0: Derby's delivery of most everything. It's just like that's phenomenal. Like,
1: but point—he knew solid, that's all I needed witty. to hear. Yeah, to, to, I read between like, the oh, lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Copy. Oh, wait, that's unsafe. Copy, and yeah. it could, yeah. uh, ro- it, 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 it could, uh, uh, it could uh, foster some panic around here. Which we, don't, we don't need yes. to do. We don't so, yell f- fire in a movie theater. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you? So you went to school at some point for, uh, for, for you know, an adjacent uh craft to the filmmaking business. Yeah, so I mean, but I kind of want to start from like I, from when you saw Jurassic Park to, you know, the University of Tennessee. Oh, okay. What was that what was that path like? Uh, okay. Because it sounds like it wasn't a it wasn't A to B. <laughs> no, it, it sounds wasn't. Like there were, it was circuitous at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously I had a love and a passion for it. I mean, anytime that, you know, I could go to the movie theater, see, you know, just rewatch something. Again, when Jurassic Park came out on VHS, which I think was two years later, because that was back before the, like, six-month rule. It's like every movie's out of theaters in six months, no matter how well it's doing. It yeah. like, just moves on to, you know.
1: So that's why how you were able to see it so many times, is it was in the it theater for It was in there for, six for a long years. time, yeah.
0: I think it was two. <laughs> two. Um, I, again, someone's probably going to be like, eh, it's not red. It was only in there for a year and a half, but whatever. Um, but yeah, when we bought the VHS, I... We watched it twice in a row. It's like, put it in. Wow. Watched it, and then, like, uh, you know a friend of mine was just like, you want to rewind? start it from the beginning.
1: perfect. I don't think I've ever done that with yeah. anything yeah
0: I you know there I again, I get mildly obsessive about certain things. uh my wife will attest to that um and yeah, that was just one of the things. so you know, I made a lot of films, and then you know, you get older, you start you know thinking about girls, you know your your priorities in high school started to shift again, I did a lot of um acting when I was younger, so when I was a kid, you know, I was in Um, show choir, which, you know, if you're not familiar with show choir, it's like song of dance and the whole, you know, nine yards. Like I was just a, I was a theater sort of show choir kid. Yeah. Um, and you know, did a lot of fact, I was in, you know, a lot of different plays and I actually tried out for the Santa Claus to be Tim Allen's son. And I got, I don't remember the number of callbacks, but I got to the point where the next callback would have been doing a read with Tim Allen, but I did not
1: get that callback. How did you go about getting auditions? Was it a cattle call? Was did you were you represented I'm, by an agent?
0: I had an agent here, which I don't remember who that was. It was downtown. Again, this has been way too many years. It was uh, it was in the houses by Fort Kidd. You know, rest in peace. Um, yeah. So those like colorful houses, there was yeah. like an agency there when Ooh. I was a kid. So I remember going I to a lot that. of. Yeah, I did like a Dollywood commercial. Um, um, I wasn't in a Dollar Book commercial, but I did a uh, a read for one in that building. And somebody actual, needs to tell
1: us what that is. Uh, we need yeah, we need we need a. Was, a listener I, I, to I don't to, remember us. which one it was. Yeah, but, um, to to tell us the name of that agent because again, at that point, knows. that
0: wasn't the stuff I was caring about. I was you know reading comic books in the in the waiting room, and my you know my, my mom was the one sitting with me and stage
1: like, mom. Yeah, well,
0: it was one of those things. Like, but the one thing that I will always give my parents a phenomenal, you know, high five for. It's just you know they've always been an advocate of like if he's into something we're going to see and foster it and see it down the road. And if he, we're never going to force it. We're never going to push him. We're never going to, you know, be like, you got to go to your room and practice and you, you didn't do good at that. You got to do better at that. You know, it's like, they were like, if he's enjoying this and seeming like he wants to do it, we're going to see how far it goes. And then if he changes his mind, that's totally fine. Like, you know, my dad built and restored antique and classic cars his entire life. Like he owned his own business and, you know, recently retired and, I never really had an interesting car.
1: I bet he was just tickled pink to see you building these models, though.
0: Again, he sees now as I get older that we have the same skill sets. They just were
1: manifested you, in manifested
0: different ways. Manifested in different ways. I had very sci fi nerdy tendencies, and it's like the same sort of skill set and work ethic were always ingrained in me. I just, yeah, manifested it differently. Mm. And he, he loves it. But, you know, a lot of his friends were like, oh, isn't it you know, were you ever like upset that he never followed in your footsteps? And he's like, you know, would I have loved for him to have been really interested in it? Sure. He's like, but I love that he found something that he loves because I get to do something as a job that I'm passionate about and love. And so does he. And that was more important to him than to see me do something that he did. And that was always, you know, their sort of mentality about it. And I, you know, love them so much for it and that was something that i think you know it's got me to the point where i am um and we were you know we were going I went off on a tangent but we were going down a road about um you know getting there um it, after you know doing that you know again my interest sort of waned on the acting and the and the stuff so i kind of went did other things you know i was in band and Played a bunch of different sports whenever I was in elementary school, middle school, and played soccer in high school as a freshman and then realized, like, don't think I'm ever going to be a soccer star, but mm. – and band has girls, so I can, you know, go over here <laughs> to band and – uh Even which if you I've were a soccer star,
1: there's no opportunity in it unless, you know, yeah. even now with the MLS, like yeah. – you know, you're 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 better off to go. You know, like,
0: I was a much better
1: trumpet player than I was um, a soccer player. Pr- so. a, 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 <laughs> as uh, as as hard as it is to believe, probably <laughs> maybe more opportunity as a trumpet player than there is. I mean, as a professional I, soccer player, it's crazy.
0: I technically toured the U.S. As in in a ska band. So. Really? Yeah, in a ska band. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't play trumpet in the ska band. I played trombone in the ska band,
1: though. I was drums. a huge, real big fish fan. They were great. In the 90s when they it was phenomenal. on uh, 94Z. Uh, I was, they, you know, sell out. phenomenal. Was, Hell was, yeah, man. Was, Hell you know. yeah. And Mighty Mighty Boston's had a moment Oh, yeah. There. I mean, I, I, again, and
0: I also Squirrel played in, zippers. you know, again, you know, you get into girls, you play in bands, you think you're cool, all this other kind of crap. You know, it, you, I lost even the idea that I could potentially work in film or video, mm-hmm. you know, because then at that, that point, you're like, oh, I'm going to be a musician. You know, you have these lofty sort of goals and like oh shit I could do this and then you really tour and you're like oh man we made zero money and like yeah we had some shows that people liked and then there were some shows where you know you never true humility comes whenever you spend a lot of time in a van with some of your best friends but you also play shows for almost no
1: one yeah (laughs) you know and you're like in the van than there are in the crowd correct
0: and sometimes there were tons of people but again you know no one really knew who we were we were getting on bills of other people's shows yeah how we played someone's graduation party because we had an open date and our trumpet player was like he was the manager and he was like I'm going to find a show for this date and we were like we pulled up like what are we doing he's like this is a high school graduation we're like or like a graduation party for a high school student we're like what like get your instruments out I was like oh boy
1: okay so so would it be safe to say <laughs> that your uh that your 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 filmmaking dreams kind of took a back seat to things that were more maybe immediately gratifying at the time that you could get more pleasure out of because... yeah yeah yeah
0: I absolutely absolutely that it, it shifted I didn't I didn't really think of that as a career and also to be completely frank like in high school I didn't wasn't really thinking about careers at all like I ah. I probably should have taken time off between graduating high school and immediately starting college. Mm. I can't say that I did phenomenal my freshman year in college mm. I wasn't quite ready to go.
1: Gap years are a big
0: thing now. Yeah. And it's, I, it would have given me perspective and I didn't quite have it. And I, yeah, we won't go into that because my father would be upset about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a still touchy subject today. So uh, brothers and sisters? Uh, Yes.
0: I have an older sister. So she's okay. four and a half years older than I am.
1: Okay, but you were but you were you're the you dad's son. And Correct. so that's why his friends are asking him. Are right. you upset yeah. that he didn't in? He doesn't go like into... cars,
0: and I'm like, uh yeah, DeLoreans. Uh you wanna <laughs> give me a DeLorean? Sweet. It's fucking awesome. He's like, Jesus, really? That's the car you're like? I'm like, Yes, you've seen Back to the Future, right? I still you... I'm gonna own a DeLorean one day. You I'm are on you right now. But are they I, out I, there? Oh yeah, you can still find him. I you mean, are. there's only I don't remember the number. I mean they only Technically, manufacture them for two years,
1: but dude, does your Tesla not have gold wing doors on it? Uh, no, because I don't have a model X. Cause I ain't got that kind of
0: money. Jesus, you don't God. have a model X? I thought that was a model, I have a model Y. Oh, no, I don't have
1: doors. It, it, what's the <laughs> difference? I thought, um, is a model X the uh, the with the third row? Uh, yeah, the bigger
0: SUV with the third row and has the gold like the,
1: the they call them Falcon doors, but uh, it's just okay. gold wing doors. Yeah, uh, what it's it? also like twice as expensive
0: as my car, so it's
1: like <laughs> no, uh. uh the, Elon Musk said that that was just an exercise in hubris. Correct. Is, is all it was. I will off? say, though, it would be handy as hell with a kid because, man,
0: there is nothing more aggravating than when you're in a spot and you can't get the door all the way open. The one nice thing about a Falcon door is the thing opens straight up. Yeah. So you have the entire entry and exit to be able yeah. to get a kid, navigate them in and out of a car without the the hindrance of the door in your way.
1: So there is some utility there. There
0: is some utility, but that utility costs money. And I, I'm just <laughs> cheap enough. Okay. Um but yeah, I, I the you know, the film dream kind of definitely went on the back burner. I just didn't really think of it especially living in Knoxville, you know, I didn't really think of it as a uh practical sure. sort of cuz again, my own ignorance being a youth and not really thinking about it and doing the research, I didn't realize the level of production we had here when I was young. Yeah. And even going into college didn't until I got out of college. Um See, so, yeah, I went down the music route, you know, played in bands in high school and pop punk bands and then toured in a ska band. Um, funny what was enough, the name of the ska band? Perfect Orange. <laughs> yes. Uh, we all went to high school together. Uh, they were, when I was a freshman, uh, the rest of the band members were juniors and sophomores. Uh, and then they had actually, I was in a pop punk band called Even Steven in high school. Um, no affiliation to the show. Um, and... They had started Perfect Orange while we were still in high school. They had just gotten out of high school. Um, and right whenever I was getting ready to graduate, basically they had a tour coming up and they were you know, I'd been great friends with them, and they their saxophone player <laughs> tour, God, I don't remember. I feel he had to have knee surgery essentially. So he was yeah. not gonna be able to go. So they would have only had one horn player. Hmm. And I in high school and middle school and everything else played trumpet and And then switched to baritone my senior year, because I was just kind of bored with trumpet, because it was whatever. Yeah, again, trumpet was great, but it's like, again, that was sort of my issue. Not that I get bored with things, but I'm like, ooh. That could be fun to try, and then I'll go down that road and kind of obsessive obsess over this one thing for a long time. That, that's fun. Let's the baritone's
1: way different than than the trumpet, though, right? Um, yeah, I mean it's a much bigger horn.
0: Um, it's and more like an oboe. No, row. it's it's still a brass instrument. Still, um, you know, amature is still the same in the sense of like it's the mouthpiece is similar. it's Just, just a considerably it's not no, it's not readed. A baritone is not readed. Um, uh, like there are barry saxes. There are everything else. Which um, are awesome instruments. Right. Um, So they are very awesome. So my dad played saxophone. Mm. um, So and he was like when he was young, he played in a bunch of, you know, sweet bands that, you know, like full horn sections, you know, played a bunch of the bars. That's where him and my mom met and all that wow. sort of fun stuff. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I marched my senior year at marching baritone, but it's a, technically a bass clef instrument and the trumpets a treble clef instrument Mm -hmm. and the other guy who switched with me that year we were mildly lazy and we didn't want to learn bass clef even though it's not very difficult to learn so our (laughs) our band director just transposed all of our music into treble clef for us so that us lazy people who switch could just read treble clef versions of it um but you know the trumpet player in our band asked me he's like hey uh I know you can do this. Uh, I need you to learn trombone in about a week to go on tour with this. I was like, huh? He's like, I have one. I'm going to give it to you. Here's the song list. Learn this. And I was like, Oh,
1: okay. Which I'd also never play trombone, dude. The trombone <laughs> seems like the hardest instrument to play because it seems like it's all muscle memory. That it, thing doesn't it, click, does it? No. It doesn't like click into place no. when you're on the right note. No, like you're, it's very it's much like how, muscle memory. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds it, impossible. It's, it, it, it,
0: yes, it's a lot of muscle memory. It's positions. You know, you're figuring out where those positions are, and then pitch with your amateur is changing. You know, your my what, middle. What's seat. that word? Amish amateur. So like the way. Yeah. Again, I haven't played. <laughs> My is, that, it, is that about. Mm, I can't. I I will honestly say I haven't played my trumpet in probably fifteen years, so I have no amateur anymore. <laughs> it's completely gone.
1: Um, that's that's the, the amateur is the, not the actual mouthpiece. It's the act of doing the amateur the, is like your yes your lip your lip position
0: and how you you puck your lip to make the noise. Yes. Yeah,
1: and uh, that actually uh, makes a different pitch depending on how you do that, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so so that's how a so trumpet like, only has three. Only has three uh, plungers on it, mm-hmm. but you're, know, yeah. um, valves, valves yes. yeah. on it, but you're, but you're changing your amateur. Correct. To change pitch. You to know, change your, the yes. pitch. Correct. To make each one of those make a different note. Same
0: thing with the trombone. There's only so many positions, but you know, you can have a C in three different places. You know, you can have mm-hmm. three different C's in the same position based off of ah, where your amateur is. Really? And how your pitch changes. Nice. And the pressure you're applying. So I learned all the songs for Perfect Orange. Um, I mean he gave me a quick crash course and again similarly I just learned everything essentially in treble clef. I you know I I I also had a pretty good ear and I mm. guess still do. I learned things by ear a lot. Like I was a very bad sight reader when we would go to competition. Right. But Which is where as you read soon the as music I heard and it,
1: play it, you play it off of reading it for the first time, not could from memory. I do.
0: I was fine. Yes. But if I heard it the rhythms, you know, um you know just sort of the you know the tempo everything if i could hear it and starting pitches and everything it's like i, I normally would be fine
1: when uh, you're playing a trombone if you just barely get the wrong note can you like slide it into place yep. to where Yeah, you
0: can just wiggle it yeah and and, it, and, and then you make it seem like it's a finesse. you know it's a, it's kind of like attitude you know. call little, it art and yeah, charge more for correct. it <laughs> um funny enough so then basically yes um i i guess he technically gave me this task about a month out not a week out but about a week out from that he was like oh by the way we're doing a tour with this other band as well that we're basically doing every date with. Their entire horn section can't go. So we're going to play oh, shit. all of their parts as well. So you and I are going to play two shows every night. I was like, huh? So he's like, you need to learn their songs too. And I was like, oh, okay. How did that go? It went great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, It was a lot of fun, actually. Um, It was really exhausting though, because yeah, like you know, the problem about also an amateur, much like your voice, I mean, like any instrument, you're know, like, there's gonna be something wears out, but like, much like your voice, that muscle, like your amateur muscle, like when you start to miss it, you like, when, when, when you start to get really, really tired and you've done it, you are cracking notes. You're not able to hit the pitches. It's, you yeah. know, there were plenty of times where I was like, Ooh, boy, that was real, yeah, real, I real bet. flat.
1: <laughs> I bet you, you know, those muscles fatigue Correct. and, and you, uh, it's like losing your voice. I'm sure, and your yeah, voice absolutely. cracking. Yeah, I can, um, I can, I can almost feel it.
0: So it was tough, but it was a lot of fun. And we also toured in the same van, so we had a 15 passenger van that both bands oh, fit in. Yeah, uh, yeah was, I bet that was, was
1: smelly. It was very smelly.
0: Um, but it was a great experience. And then you know, how old are you at this point? Mm, this would have been my freshman year in college, so I would have been 19. Yeah.
1: You know. So, so were you in the uh journalism and electronic media major at ut oh no 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 i started out because again i you know after
0: high school again interests like i said um i'm i have certain add tendencies but it's not like your typical i can't focus to get tasks done it's more i have too many interests and whenever i go down an interest i get obsessive and do that interest but then it's like you know, I could have never started playing like piano at 4 and then been a virtuoso at the piano. Mm. I would have just gotten too bored with that one thing and want to be like, "Oh, but what about guitar? What about this other thing? Like I could I want to try this and try that and try this and be a little bit of this." It's like but I could never really master any of it cuz I the attention span to fully see that out. And I you're telling me that tough.
1: never got on your parents' nerves? Huh? Like they always just supported you? Yes, and I played
0: drums also, so I had a drum set, and they let me play drums in the house whenever I wanted. And that's I that's amazing. I, can, I want
1: that's that's amazing. I want to be uh, yeah. I want to be the parent that that yeah. Doug Griffey's parents. They are, are phenomenal people, Robbie yeah.
0: and Larry. I love you. You're great. Um, but yeah, so in, a, a, after high school, I was like, uh, I don't know, and Dad's like, you know, I got into UT. It's where he went. It was his alma, alma mater. He went and got a business degree, and he was like, look, you don't really know exactly what you want to do, because again, I hadn't thought about literally film being something I could actually go to school for. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was like, go in the business department. You'll be able to use those skills regardless of what you end up doing. Yeah. And hell, 90% of what you
1: know you're going to learn after college anyway. Correct.
0: (laughs) And I was like, okay. But, you know, it's like I went into college, um, you know, my sister – my sister was a cheerleader at UT. Um she actually cheered. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. That's so not
1: that that's not easy to her, get into.
0: No, yeah, so she got a full ride to UT. Wow. Because of that. Uh she was she had a full ride on um uh full ride to ETSU for academics. But then Damn. like last minute she basically her friends at, you know, um on her cheer team were like, "Hey, you should try for the UT team." Though no. know, she's like, "Okay." And then she made it. But she basically told him, like, the only way I can go here is you have to make me varsity because that was the only way to get a full ride. And she's like, because I already have a scholarship to ETSU. And they're like,
1: okay. Dude, power move. Like, <laughs> she power listen, moved it. To- oh, yeah, absolutely. She, she totally leveraged a, absolutely. a college offer. Hell, I hope she went to business school because it sounds like she had some chops. She uh, she
0: she got she was a marketing major, actually. Oh, perfect. Um, but <laughs> she her year, her freshman year was 98. Ah, so like phenomenal
1: year. I've had a couple people in the shop who were who went to Tempe for the for the natty in part of the marching band. Or or, so she is in. I don't know if you've seen the photo where
0: like the really big, large framed photo where they're pulling the the Florida game where they're pulling the um, was the Florida game where they pull the goalpost down. Yeah, in yeah, Neelan. Yeah, Uh, she's in that photo. Nice. She has a giant framed version that my mom just randomly saw in a store one day. I was like. Holy shit, that's my daughter. She's wow. basically on top of her cheer partner's shoulders, waving her pom-pom. And it's like,
1: no way. Wow.
0: Like you can see it coming down behind, and it's just a sea of people. And then my sister is just right up there. And just I like mean, that is the
1: biggest sports moment in the oh, yeah, University huge. of Tennessee until this last year when we beat Alabama. Yeah, yeah correct. You know? Absolutely.
0: No, most it's definitely. Huge. Huge. So that was really cool. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, so that was her college experience. Um, and when I went to college again, I was, I was good in school. I was never like an overachiever. Like my sister was like, you know, straight A's the whole time, studied studied her ass off. Like, I I was able to get pretty pretty decent grades. Like, I graduated with I don't know three. I don't even remember what I graduated high school with because it doesn't really matter. But whatever it did, I, I didn't get a scholarship. We'll we'll say
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you couldn't even get into UT with that now.
0: Oh, no. Like, whatever my ACT was, and I don't even remember now, it's like, it absolutely would not get you in It's crazy. It would not get you, you into gotta be into a 4
1: student with oh, a yeah, 30 and on the ACT correct. to get into yeah, UT since the lottery came through. It is wild.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm fortunate to have uh, been my age when I was. Same. Um, but, yeah, so basically my, my parents were like, look, you know, your sister got a full ride, uh, but we paid for her to live somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, we paid for her to live on campus and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, we want to be equitable. We, you didn't get a scholarship. you got the hope scholarship and all this kind of stuff, but you know, we will pay for your school, but we're not going to, you know, pay for any sort of like living. Like if you want to, you want to live on campus, you got to pay for it or you can live stay here. with us. You can stay. And I was like, cool. But I also was working at Aubrey's like 30 hours a week. Which one? I paid for every, uh, the Emory road.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. So I worked
0: there from 16 to about 23. So it's still there it is it's moved to like places so it's yeah. not on the hill anymore it's actually mm. on like Emory Road proper yeah gotcha. um so yeah i worked there for 8 years i mean i worked a lot there was that in, school in high school to, uh, i worked th- yeah from 16 to like the age of 16 until about
1: 23. So did you start as like a food runner or like Uh, a... Dish. Dish. Oh, man. uh, That's the most entry-level position they've got, right? Mm -hmm. Dish room. Oh, yeah. Man, did you end up running the place by the time you left eight Uh, years
0: later? No. I mean, again, I didn't really want to, but like the only thing that I couldn't do in the kitchen was like kitchen manager position. So I didn't Mm. cut meat and I didn't um, make schedules um, at the end. But... And again, I learned a lot of really important skills working in the service industry. I think
1: it's again. I think everyone should work in the service industry in their life. I mean, absolutely, it's extremely it's important. important to do thing so. I ever did, probably. Yeah. Uh, also, you worked for a great operation. If you're gonna, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, as far as, uh, as as far as
0: they're now one of our clients. So.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but they're also a well. I mean, you don't stay around. I remember when the first Aubrey's opened in '90, in the mid '90s, on mm-hmm. Campbell Station Road, like. Yep. There's just one restaurant, and then it I scaled.
0: Used to go. So we live in Powell, and um, we used to go to that Aubrey's, and I would always fall asleep on the drive because it was that so was far. Forty five minutes, it correct, from Powell to get to the, the Campbell Station Road. Uh, so I would always like they would always say when they saw me there, like, "Oh, Doug's always asleep," like because I was always essentially asleep at the table. Yeah, because like you drove me in a car, which you know you put me in a car, and I'm gonna go to sleep. Like that's just if I'm not driving. <laughs> That's a nice. It's just a nice lull to sleep.
1: Um, so you're you're working for Aubrey's to kind of you know, thirty hours a week is a lot when you're doing twelve, fourteen, sixteen hours of ac- academic work at the university at, uh, you know, at a university like Tennessee. Yeah. If if I was actually really doing that much academic, work. you you weren't doing that much work.
0: No. Um. I mean, I guess I said I wasn't going to say this, but I. Did not do well at all my freshman year, my first semester freshman year. Um, it happens. And by well at all, I mean I made a zero.
1: Oh, point, you failed all your classes? Zero, all of them. All of them. Wow, that's them. academic. that's got academic probation written all Oh, over. I was absolutely on academic probation. Yeah. The
0: other problem was is that, you know, again, I've learned from this. Um, it was one of those things. I lived off campus. I didn't feel, again, I should have taken some time off to really think about what are my priorities what do I really want to do yeah. um i was thinking too much about the pie in the sky touring being in a band blah, blah 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 all this all this other random stuff that just wasn't important um were you partying no like i so you did, i, I wow. never well i now i partied in yes i mean sure fresh but you didn't party I partied, yourself out of school but like high school i didn't like i didn't drink a beer until freshman year in college. Wow! Like I just I wasn't that wasn't what I right. Wasn't but that wasn't what
1: mode. that wasn't like that that happens to a lot of people. I feel like at at the university, uh, their freshman years. That's what they they can't say no to going out all the time. <laughs> but that doesn't but sound I, like it was your problem. I wasn't
0: part of the the on campus culture. Ah. So my problem was is that I would. You know, go to, I would work the evening shift. So I'd work a night shift, Mm -hmm. you know. um, In the kitchen. In the kitchen. So, you know, close, you close at 10. So by the time you're actually out, it's 11, 1130. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, then it's go home and I'd watch a movie or do something, you know, kind of unwind. And then you have an 8 a.m. class. And you're like, shit, well, you know, I've slept in. Shit, I missed that class. I only had one more class today and then I have to go to work well, I won't go to that class today. You know, I, I did, again, a lot it's, of some, if you're it, listening to this, uh, stay in school, kids. It's, it sounds don't, don't like
1: wait. that late night job is what got you, though. I mean, because it, you need part, time to wind down after you get done with a job, I you, feel like. You do, but again, I, that, I I paid for all my other things. Like, yes, I
0: had my housing paid for, but like all of my other expenses, I, I covered. Like, I was mm. no longer like, you know, on, you know, I wasn't being supported. If Not to say that my yeah. parents weren't supporting me, but like, they instilled in me, like, we, you, you're living here, but it's like you're not paying rent, but like you pay for the rest of your life. Your yeah. phone, all these other elements. Yeah, your you know, phone, I,
1: your car, your car insurance, correct. your gas, yeah. all that stuff. Yes. You're an adult now, buddy. Correct. Go everything get you want to eat. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's like I. <laughs> so mid is zero freshman year? Mm, and then did I, you ever get off academic probation? Would be my next question. Absolutely.
0: Um. So basically, I was on tour. We were in New York, and I get a phone call from my mother, and she's like, Hey, um, can you give us your login to whatever the system was we used at UT at that time? I was like, ah. And she's like, we want to check your grades. I was like, ah, you know, I'm pretty sure they're not out yet. Because <laughs> um, the problem was I just kind of stopped going and then ah. realized too late about when the drop ad time was.
1: Ah. I can't say that my beginning of my collegiate career was the best. Um, you, you gave him you you gave him uh, you donated uh, a semester's worth of money to the university
0: y- of my father's money. Yes, of your father? I donated okay. a yeah. semester of my father's money. Yeah. Yes, which again I he still pings pings me on because uh, to I the can step. do the
1: math. Uh, you should have graduated in two thousand seven. <laughs> <laughs> Correct I should have
0: done I should have graduated and Tested. Um, it took me four and a half year I mean five years technically But like four and a half real semesters That's pretty good though Yeah yeah, yeah. Um, But so essentially they're like We know your grades are out We've talked to other friends We know their grades are yeah. I was like oh fuck So then I spent the entire time In the back of a New York club For like f- two hours Pre this show that I had to play Just getting Just Decimated by my father, really? essentially from you know just like you know dressing sitting, you down, sitting in the corner, and like all the band is like, "What's going?" On? I'm like, I'm "Like just I uh, yes, sir. Yes, I know, sir. Yes, mm, yes, I am. I messed. Yeah." Mm-hmm. And again, it, it 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 was. I will still say to this day one of my lowest moments. Mm. It's it's the moment that really made me realize like I have absolutely let some of the most important people in my life down, mm. and I did that because of. Complacency, I did that. There there was many reasons, but it is did one feel of the things selfish? Absolutely. There was a lot of there was selfish, there was guilt, there was it, it is my biggest time that I feel like I've absolutely A failed and B really let people down I cared about. And you know, academic probation was basically like I had to make a two point two. I had to pull my GPA up to a two point two by second semester, I will be kicked out. Oh wow. That sounds hard from zero.
1: It That was. sounds like
0: straight A's. Uh what? So basically at UT at that time you could retake up to 3 classes and get um get th- those completely replaced. replaced and then your fourth class your next retakes they were averages. Mm. So the next semester I retook 3 of the classes that I failed uh, four classes that I failed the first semester.
1: So you you completely you were uh you had burned all your bonus at, at UT. You had Ooh, yeah. you used every oh, yeah. every all of, yeah, you pulled it out all, every stop.
0: Yeah. All of my extra lives were yeah. burned first semester. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I absolutely got off of academic probation second semester, realized that the business school wasn't the right place for me. Mm-hmm. Um at that time, and then so I I talked to my parents and I was like, "Look, I know I messed up. I think the art department is where I should focus my interest. I I think that film and production is what i want to do. i didn't have any drive or passion. i was just floating that first semester. i didn't know exactly what it was that i wanted to do. and i was like, let me go down this route and see where it takes me for a while. and they were like, okay. you you fixed your your you fixed your fuck up. you know, you you didn't get kicked out. i'm still really mad at you and you still failed. <laughs> i still to this day have a lot of um <laughs> Personal sort of like issues with the fact that that happened, but it also taught me some of like the largest life lessons that I've ever had to deal with, which is, you know Truly coming back from a failure learning from your mistakes and then finding a way to fix them You know and make those people who were extremely disappointed with you proud at the end of the day Um, so I went to the art department Uh, they had a film program It was very much more experimental film. I had a lot of classes that I loved. I got to do a lot of amazing, you know, 3D sculpture and drawing and got a large sort of general sort of just like being in the art community at the art building was incredible. But I felt like I wasn't getting enough sort of hard skills. Like, how is this going to relate to me getting a job outside of school? You know? Um, So right when I had to declare a major, that's when I was like, ooh, broadcasting. Mm. Let's switch. So I was able to declare, you know, switch, get over to that department, and you know, had all the credits, make sure that they switched, and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where it took me four and a half real semesters to get out. Um, but I never, so I replaced all three of those Fs. Um, I never replaced the fourth. It was it was a math class. I don't remember which one it was, and I was just like, ah, that means I've got to definitely have to make an A in it.
1: It was Algebra One Nineteen, probably. I don't
0: remember which one it was. It's been so long. Maybe I was like, I'm not even going to try. So I, I ended up having one F still on my transcript when I graduated, but I think I graduated with like a three, six or wow. something. Yeah.
1: After starting way in the hole, way in the hole. And that's way better than you did in
0: high school too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I think I had a three, five in high school, something like that. Like, you know, it was like, it was fine. I just didn't, I was not I mean, overly impressive
1: <laughs> as far as rock bottom goes. Uh, That was pretty,
0: pretty, Oh, it's pretty, pretty lame. It was, it was awful. And again, I, I tell that story to some people and they're like no way. But it's like, it also, you know, it, it it allows me to have a lot of humility. But um, well, you still feel bad about it, it well, I still like. feel bad about it. Yeah. And, and and again, any time it gets brought up around my father, he still will really give me some so shit about it. he
1: still it. feels bad about it, oh, too. Oh, well, yeah. it is he,
0: he, more of the pocketbook bad about it sort of scenario. <laughs> At some point, I'm probably going to you know, just give him a check, just a fun check of that one semester. I'm going to go back and do the math and just be like... Here's your Christmas present.
1: Hey, uh, don't Here's a,
0: that one semester that I was totally should... Don't yeah.
1: adjust that thing for... Oh, uh, no, absolutely not going to adjust that for inflation. Hell no. I would or adjust it for inflation. Uh, I just wouldn't adjust it for uh, what it costs now. No, correct. No,
0: this will be what it costs in uh, yeah, 2004. Yeah, so that'll definitely be a 2004
1: It's like 6000 bucks then. Mm,
0: yeah, so uh, that's, again, long and roundabout way to tell you that, you know, I really messed up in school at the beginning, but then I, I worked waiting, you know. But I, it
1: sounds like it was... Maybe the most formidable moment of your life I had never
0: Truly had to like I'd fail formative I, that's for, Yeah, I, I'd I never truly like yeah, I failed I did poorly at sports, but it was never you know That time where it's like I never let anyone down by doing it. That was the first time that yeah It's like this is a real gut check like a real kick in the in the loins to be like You that like these people have given you everything and trusted you the entire time. And y- you did that. And it, yeah. and that was really, 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 again, formative. Like it, well, it, it, it definitely changed my perspective and how I completely thought about the rest of school we, and the way that I try to tackle. I think most things in life now It's like, you know, if, if, I'm not working at, you know, my highest that I possibly can be. I could potentially let someone down. And that's, I I can't, I just don't want to do that. Well,
1: you're a good guy with a good conscience and that, uh, well, I mean, it's (laughs) obvious from that story that, uh, you know, some people would have, would have said, you know, would have felt entitled in that, in that situation and said, well, screw you, dad, I'm dropping out then, (laughs) you know, and and again,
0: and I also know that I, I absolutely, and like, that's the other reason why it's such. You know, a huge gut check because I also understand the entitlement that I have. Like I got out of school without debt and that is has helped me again. Another thing that I can't thank my parents enough that they took the sacrifice to do that because it helped to set me up in a way that like not everyone is afforded. And I got a second chance and that isn't lost on me. You took advantage of it. Yeah. You didn't waste it. Correct. But, you know, again, it's like, but I also understand it still was coming from a place of privilege. And that's even another point where it like, especially now that I'm considerably older and and understand that, you know, that sort of like you look back on it from a reflective standpoint, you're like, man, like I really don't need to squander that if Mm -hmm. that makes sense, you know, and I'm glad that I didn't at that age. And I really want to make sure that that, you know, I don't take that for granted. I don't overlook that i don't you know
1: it just it tells me everything i need to know about your character though you know it's a good it's a good uh there's i mean that one decision and how hard you worked to undo a wrong that you felt you'd done in your life says a lot about who you are i think
0: well i appreciate that i mean again i've (laughs) yeah it was yeah it sucked
1: (laughs) well after that you graduated from ut i assume at some point or or left or what yeah you graduated after yeah, in 2008 the economy is in the shitter. In Su- the shitter. Subprime mortgages. Yeah. If, if uh, I was going through the same, I'm glad I didn't buy a house at that yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, because again, we're like the same age. We're
0: yeah. like again, our story is, is, is uncannily similar. In a
1: lot right, of us, but and, and maybe not the
0: failing college thing,
1: but b- uh, no, I did that too. <laughs> uh, same thing. We had the same first semester at UT. Sweet. Uh, I just moved to L.A. afterwards, <laughs> nice. and yeah. Uh, but uh, so, in between 2008, I, I, I think this is hilarious and not like the. The, the to woe is me our our millennial uh, elder millennial generation or anything but 2008 we you know 2007 2008 our age people graduate economy sucks no jobs anywhere unemployment's damn near yeah. Oh, yeah, it's 10 percent it's like you can't get a job with this fancy degree you just got yeah and then uh i feel like you know we spent some time digging we started a little bit behind the eight ball as far as yeah you know, adulthood is concerned absolutely and it took us a little while like I mean, you look at metrics of of people that are our age, they're buying houses later, they're having yep. children later, they're doing all the things yep. later that that uh, that our parents, you know, did earlier, did you know oh, yeah. sooner. Absolutely. And we're just you know, we just kind of got the emergency brake pulled on life for a little while. Uh, and then, you know, I thought it was just not lost on me that right after we kind of recover from that and get and get. All of that uh, momentum, find that you know buy your first house, start to have a family. Pandemic,
0: boom, <laughs> kicked right, and you're like, oh man, again. Then it's like, but then it's like, I I also totally understand people who graduate in 2020, or like, I can't fathom having to finish off college uh, remotely. Like,
1: dude, I feel awful for those people. Of those people High schoolers, like, yeah, ugh,
0: people, yeah, fifth graders, eighth
1: graders, anybody who had to do the last bit of of school with their friend, like in a remote learning environment, or you know, some kind of truncated about, method.
0: You know, middle school. I can't. Middle school is a weird enough time anyway. I can't imagine what that was for kids when they were in school and have to be masked, and that loss of interpersonal, And then, and then, well, trying to do middle school remotely, and then, oh yeah, it's again. I'm I'm glad that at that point, I I hadn't. We had not had our daughter yet, and we weren't having to you know try to navigate them in school and them being home schooling it like that. It, oh my God. Like, it was a disaster. So many. Stresses. The, the biggest, the
1: biggest, the hardest part of it was childcare
0: because sure, yeah.
1: they couldn't go to school. They didn't have anywhere right. to go. We're locked down. You can't send them to the the, the, your uh, to the in laws' house or to your parent to your parents' house. But you still have to work. So it's like no wonder all of these uh, you know stressors in life went up, and you know domestic violence goes up, and like people, like everything just kind of boiled over. But the but the child the child the 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 childcare part was definitely hard. And oh, I um I think that's why like PPP loans were huge Absolutely. because people just couldn't contribute at their day to day job as they had in the past. And, yeah. you know, I mean, fortunately, the work in a lot of ways wasn't even there for them to do in some cases. Right. So they might as well have been home raising their kids. Correct. But in yeah. between, you know, in between a uh, in, in, in between graduating in, in a recession and going to a pandemic, you're you actually realized a career in the television business, the film and television business. Yeah. Finally. Absolutely. So, So how did that kind of, how did that start out? I mean, it sounds like the jewelry television gig was kind of the first.
0: Yeah, that was uh, like a first PA gig. Like I said, I'd, I had this, you know, sort of, there was some cushy sort of uh, government money funding uh, a lenticular company that I worked for. What's lenticular? Somewhere. Lenticular is, um, are you familiar with like when you see posters and you walk past it and that poster will switch from one image to another? Yeah. Or like it looks a little three D. Yeah. And there's a there's actually a lens on the top mm. of that poster. That lens has you know certain sort of like it's it's made a certain way and then the the image underneath is printed in a certain way that whenever again the yeah, lensing changes your perspective, yeah, and redirects else. light. I assume correct. Um, and it, it was like this kind of partnership to to be completely honest other than the large form lenticulars were making the the research element of it i never understood and probably why the funding got pulled because i was like i don't really know what we're doing here. well how did you <laughs> how did you find this job uh it was through a family friend it was just like hey there's this thing do you want to do it and i was like sure i'll take whatever yeah, you're and, giving and me it me a, a company that was funded. By- it was a it was a very small like two person sort of like you know endeavor.
1: You know, but very but had small. government funding. Yeah, they yeah yeah. It's so like a gotten, research project or like something?
0: a research project. And then six months later, the research money was gone. It gotcha. was like, oh, okay.
1: It's a lot like uh, fellowships or graduate programs. Yeah. I assume. Yeah, similar.
0: Um, so I did that for a little bit, and then yeah, went back to Aubrey's for
1: about a year. How did you feel at this moment? Did you feel like oh, you I needed mean, to get your shit together?
0: Yeah, but it's also like, you know, everywhere you looked, there just didn't seem to be an opportunity, and it was
1: like Oh right, we're in we're in a recession. We're in like, a recession
0: yeah. and it's like, oh, and but you know, luckily, I think the biggest thing that I got out of college, other than you know, great opportunities to have some phenomenal professors who who I learned a lot from um is the networking and the people. Mm. So, like, one of my still best friends to this day, and, you know, her daughter and my daughter are best friends at school. They're the same age. They're That's two awesome. months apart from each other. Wow. And her son is my godson. Like, you know, the fact that, like, you know, 15 years later, like, this is where our life has taken us. But we met, you know, sophomore year in college. Was it in our Alyssa first communic- Alyssa mean- Alyssa, yes. Yeah. Alyssa Maddox. Um and, you know, they got I, you
1: your first JTV gig. That got yeah. me my first
0: JTV gig. And it was, again, a, a free gig. And then, um, so we did, you know, did that. That was great. Nothing really came of that. Um, and then through another sort of family contact, um, I got a, a, a sort of in the door at a company called Stellar Visions and Sound. What's that? So it's a local live production company here, um, huh. who do, um, so they do audio visual, um, just all of IMAG. So IMAG, um, hanging audio PA arrays for concerts. Um, what's IMAG? IMAG. I don't remember what it means, but IMAG is like, um, the cameras at a concert, so the multicam scenario oh, yeah. and the screens that are hanging beside, yeah. you know, the stage that would be IMAX. I,
1: I, I imagine I this company I'm setting around. up in uh uh like uh, uh convention centers and yes, and we did convention centers. Uh, we did like all
0: hotel f- ballrooms, hotel ballrooms, <laughs> but we also did like you know uh festival concerts and you know I would go hang line arrays, which are you know the the, the big hanging PA systems and yeah. then, like run the monitor board and do all this sort of stuff. Uh, that was later in it, but my first gig was basically um, my dad had a connection with the brother of the owner of his company. Mm. He used to play in bands with him. And he was like, hey, Phil Speaks' his brother, I think, owns a company. You should reach out to him. I was like, oh, cool, okay, cool, cool. Just Eddie? Eddie Speaks, correct. Um, So I did, and like our first conversations, nothing really came of it, and then all of a sudden, he needed a... He had a gig that he was like, "Hey, I have a gig in DC. I need a 24 foot box truck driven to DC with like 250 uh, office chairs, essentially, in this box truck." I'm like, "Okay." He's like, "You ever driven box truck?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Doesn't matter. I'll, you know, yeah, we we can get you there." I was like, "Okay, cool, perfect." He's like, "You'll be great," and I was terrified. I, you know, 24 foot box truck. I'm like 22 or 23, and
1: I'm like, "Ah, sure. This seems like a..." terrible idea but did, it'll work i have a question sure did you have to go through way stations <laughs> and keep a log book and all this e, technically yes okay and yes did i have a
0: log book on that trip yes okay did i know how to fill it out no um
1: uh, but, but again
0: that's no that was my own ignorance and i should have researched it more and eddie did all of the correct stuff on the front end on the back end i did not get it filled out on the way back
1: ah whoops yeah um Because I heard that if you drive something commercially like that, you have to go through way stations stations and do the, even if you're just driving a a box truck, if it's for hire, you have to do that.
0: You're supposed to. Um, (laughs) Will I say that I skirted a few of those rules that first time? Yes. On your Um, own. On my own. Yeah. (laughs) Of my own fruition.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) But but no, so, and I get, and it was one of those terrifying things. It's like, oh my God, I've never done this. Uh, And he's like, can you do it? I'm like, sure I can. Of course I can. Do whatever you need to. Have I done it? No, but it'll be fine. Of course, I'm like, Dad, I've never done this it's terrifying. <laughs> so like, get the truck, get it loaded. You know, he's puts me on my merry way. You know, he you know helps me fill out the the logbook, and literally, I pull off at Sevierville, at a gas station there, and Dad met me, and he's like, All right, let's go over all the, the specifics. Here's what you need to know. Oh, you know, he just dad. he's a fucking great dad. Yeah. And then, of course, on the way to DC, it starts snowing, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Are you kidding me? What is happening? <laughs> And if you've ever been to DC, New York is a considerably easier city to drive in. Really? Absolutely, it's a grid. This way, Oh. Yeah, straight up yeah. and down, left and right.
1: The avenues go this way; the streets go that Correct. way.
0: DC is not only a grid, but cross streets that, like diagonal a, diagonal streets that go through the center of the city. San Francisco that, does that a that little bit. Cuts that some are one ways, some are not one ways, and mm. you cu- and trying to find. Parking for a box truck in D.C. is like the most terrifying experience as a young 22-year-old, 23-year-old trying to do this. So, again, my first experience was a very throw to the wolves and, you know, I did it. And they brought me on for another gig and then they're like, hey, do you want a job? And I was like, yes. And so I did the live production gig for, I guess I started with Eddie in like 2009 and worked there until 2012. Oh, wow. So this was a, this was a. Yeah, I a worked gig. there for three, oh, three, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, like, became an employee, you know, and but, it, you know, that's where I learned that, you know, like, I, I'm i glad that I didn't continue down the music, like, being in a band road, because, like, the being on the road all the time was getting to be a little bit of a grind, you know? Yeah. I I didn't have much of a personal life. It was, I think there was a march where I was home three days. Oh, wow. In the entire month, you know, and it's like, everybody's like, oh, you're traveling, you get to see stuff. I'm like, I see the inside of a conference room and a hotel room. And then a truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't get to, get to see the city. Well, you know? so it's but, like, but it was a great job, and I learned a considerable amount about how to be a good employee, how to <laughs> – a lot of life skills. <laughs> you know, just a lot of on-the-road life skills.
1: <laughs> I feel like doing that when you're that age is the time to it do it. was absolutely you the time. Don't, it, I mean, it's, it is an opportunity. You're not going to have the opportunity to, to do the shit work like that. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was a great job. Yeah. but. And you're not going to find a 35 year old with a family who can or will do that. Yeah. So it's tough. the fact that you can do it at at 22, 24 years old is a huge advantage Absolutely. because you get reps in the business, you get experience that somebody else can't do, you get the opportunity to impress somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's something that I I, I really like it, want to. When young people ask, like, what, what to do to get in the business, it's mm-hmm. like, when you can, get do in that it. thing, do it, do, do that, absolutely. do the travels, wherever stuff.
0: the door, whichever door opens, take it and learn as much as you can. When I think that's young. the big thing when you're young. Yeah, take the take the opportunities, take the risks, because risks get harder and harder as you get older.
1: Yeah, and people who are like, oh man, I really want to move to a big city. It's like, well, guess what? You're do 21. It. Do it right now. Right now because i would have always wished that i had done it but the fact i'm 37 now and i've already done it and i no longer have that wanderlust not that everybody has that and what has it but if you are one who already has that yeah then go ahead and do it now (laughs) oh absolutely yeah no
0: um so yeah i did that for three years and i was getting a little burnout and again you know it it was a phenomenal opportunity you know i still stay in touch with those guys i haven't you know Seen him in about better part of a year, maybe six months. Uh, but like Dylan, his son is like very involved. You know, he is he's he's you know formidably you know like a, a very large part of the company now, and like he's doing all the gigs. And you know, I ran into him doing something at Tennessee Theater not too long ago. We nice. caught up, and it was you know really great. Saw Eddie too, and it was it was phenomenal. But you know, the pandemic hit them extremely hard. You know, I'm it's sure. like
1: nobody's they, getting together. They
0: weren't getting any gigs. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like it, that was very tough for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they. They were able to make it through, and and now they're, just, you know, he was saying, It's like, oh, we're crazy busy. You know, it's like great to the point where it's like they, you know, they don't know exactly how they're able to do it. And, you know, it's always trying to find the right amount of freelancers because, you know, the pandemic showed them that it's like they needed to make sure they kept their size the right size. Yeah. Like expanding too much, like, oh, we can't, if we don't have any work, we can't. That's that's yeah. hard, you know, with in, like employee count. So, um, we did that for three years. It was great, but it was getting really. Tiring, and I I felt like I would never got to see any of my friends, and even, you know, I wasn't dating anyone at the time, and like had no prospects because it's like I never was home, right, to spend any, you know, didn't have, couldn't the foster any of it. Yeah, exactly, and um, you know, uh Alyssa went from JTV to Jupiter Entertainment. Mm. She actually became the receptionist at Jupiter to get her foot in the door there because she was. She was working third shift, I think, second or third shift at JTV and was just complete burnout on the the night stuff. Um, Same thing. She needed get more of a family. So she took a total like, you know, pivot down from a position standpoint to, to get her foot in the door at um, Jupiter. And, you know, she worked her way up, you know, from that to a PA to an AP. And she had put a good word in with me, or for me, with John Kennedy.
1: Yeah, uh, who's a phenomenal human being. Um he texted me the other day for the first time in like 10 years. Great he was dude, like man. congratulations on the new gig, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, congratulations on the new gig by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so he, you know, and I just get a random text out of the blue. They had been looking for, you know, I've always been super, you know, gear oriented and, you know, very, you know, comes in that sort of obsessive going down a road, but I've always been a gearhead. Like the toys yeah. part of that is always fun. Like yeah. the tinkering section. Um, so basically he was like, hey, you know, would you be interested in coming in? He texted me one morning and you know, I'd been on a long gig the night before and I had a day off. And he was like, would you be interested in coming in for an interview for this uh, sort of, you know, production specialist sort of like gear um, organizer prepper sort of position under um, our chief engineer. And I was like, "Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, what are your hours? He's like, yeah, like nine to five. I was like, perfect. (laughs) That sounds great. Um, And came in, did an interview. Uh, The interview was just with me and me, John and Tom Backus, who, Mm -hmm. you know, was a mentor of mine for many years um, while at Jupiter. And he's a phenomenal human being as well. If you're not familiar with who Tom Backus is, uh, he is a
1: great human being. I've worked with him once. He's great. That's a Um, sound man. Yeah. And he he was a pleasure.
0: Yep. And so, he was chief engineer there. Uh, he, I mean, he had been with Jupiter since like they, you know, and Stephen Land when, as you know, when they started. Yeah. Um, I came on and basically the interview was basically just to see if I would mesh with Tom Backus. That was that was the entire interview. I was like, he was a like, okay, the check? interview, yeah, it was a vibe check basically. He's like, I was like, wait, when's the interview? He's like, well, that basically was it. I was like, we were just hanging out talking. He's like, exactly. He's like, I just need to see if you all could, you know, mesh. And I was like, okay, so, like, all right, you're good. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's just so weird. I can
1: can really relate to that, by the way. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, So, you know, from there on, you know, I started at Jupiter in 2012 and then worked under Tom for, I don't remember exactly how long it was before he went. He decided to go back to freelance. So then I took over for Tom and was kind of running the gear gear department and, you know, became the chief engineer and then um, was doing, you know, I another one of my coworkers. And so again, I owe most all of my success to Alyssa Maddox. Uh, Thank you, Alyssa. That's great. Um, I appreciate that. And again, the, you know, networking that I, you know, you did in college, the people you meet. And it's like, I I still tell students to this day, it's like soak up everything you learn here, but like look at, you know, every one of these people around you, your peers are the people who you're going to be able to help each other. Mm. Remember each other. Yeah, It's like, you know, yes, you're technically competing for jobs out there, but you can also bring other people up it's like it is a mutual collaborative sort of scenario and it's like that even comes in the hiring people because people are gonna need people like you know i know this person they're really great and they may not have the skill set right now but they can learn it people like like to work with people that they like correct we (laughs) spend a lot of hours on set with people and it's very important to have people you like yeah (laughs) absolutely um so yeah you know i worked there from 2012 until 2016 uh i had done i'm currently at um the phenomenal Lock and Key Productions. Heard of it? Uh, Yeah, heard of it? Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I believe... Oh, wait. Oh, that's right. You are, too. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But... Thanks for having me. I must have passed my vibe check. You did pass your vibe check. (laughs) Flying Colors. Um, But, yeah, I... John Mecklenburg uh, was one of our colorists at Jupiter, and he has been a longtime friend and went to college with Andy Feliu, who's one of the owners of Lock and Key. And Lock and Key was... um, they started or we started in 20, I think 11. Um, and in 2013, um, we had an opportunity to do the Haybell sessions for Bonnaroo. So we do a lot of music content. Uh, Andy,
1: Andy told a good story about the Haybell sessions Mm -hmm. on this podcast. I would recommend people go back and listen to that after this. It is a phenomenal one. Of course. I,
0: I remember the, I remember it. And I also remember the stories (laughs) he's referencing. Um, but there was a, um, you know, at the early days, you know, they were a little worried with like trying to light this room that they needed to have controlled lighting and they wanted multi cameras in it. And they essentially wanted some consulting and they're like, John, who do you know who's good at lighting? You know, we need a little bit of outside help with this. We're already going to be strapped and, you know, sort of, you know, they didn't really pull freelancers a lot. And they essentially were like, we need someone freelance to come in and help us, you know, essentially gaff or LD, you know, lighting Mm kind of direct. But he was like, Hey, Doug would be great. You know, He's been DPing, Snapped and directing Snapped.
1: Yeah, because you're ba- still at Jupiter at this point.
0: At this point, I'm still at Jupiter, and I was doing, you know, the chief engineer, all the gear management, and then about one day a week, I was shooting, I would DP-slash-direct uh, Snapped recreations. Yeah. Um, with Durfee, actually. Um, so, we would do that, and yeah, I got a call from him, asked me if I'd be interested. We met, kind of had a vibe check, Um you know, talk through a bunch of stuff, just kind of, again, chilled, hung out, discussed, you know, what this gig could be, how would I want to approach it, the needs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they're like, hey, yeah, let's do it. You know, I can, you know, let's, let's figure out what gear we need to rent for it, rent it. And, um, I went on that first, you know, 2013 Bonnaroo that we did the Haybell sessions for, and it went swimmingly. And then I came on the second year in 2014 and also freelanced for them for it. Same thing, did the lighting, but also was a camera operator during that one. I wasn't a camera op, the cam op for the first one, just lighting. Um, so did lighting and cam op for the second one in 2014. And then, um, I did a couple more random freelance gigs, you know, on weekends or a day off or whatever, when they needed something. And, you know, I think I did forecastle festival as well, shot some festival stuff. And, you know, actually, I think it was at the 2014 Haybell Sessions, Bonnaroo. Was it that one? Yeah. Cause Niles was there. Um, you know, I think, you know, randomly jokingly one day, you know, one evening, you know, we're, we're chilling out and kind of, you know, after the, after the gig was over, we were having some beers and, you know, listening to some music and I feel like you essentially was like, ha, you know, just randomly, what do you think it would ever take for you to, you know, like, you know, maybe, uh, come over here, you know, what do you think it would take you to leave? And I was like, you know, well, I don't know, so you know, you know, starting to brew that sort of idea, sort of just, you know, he's very good at sort of slipping an idea in someone's ear, you know, when he sees talent that he might want to. Potentially think about hiring, he can, you know, very, 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 uh, he's a good, um, he's persuasive, Andy, tell <laughs> Um, and yeah, so we kept talking and kept doing some gigs together, and then pretty legitimately he one day said, hey, we, we have a need, and, you know, we think we have a position we'd like to offer you, you know, w- would you be willing to, you know, to move on and switch jobs, and what would it take to do that, so... We had a discussion and we came to terms and I said, Let's do it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and that was in twenty sixteen. I started September seventh, twenty sixteen, and I'm now just had my sixth year anniversary this past September and we're in our seventh year. And you know, I've I've grown a lot. I came on as a um senior media specialist, is was was my title, and I went from senior media specialist to director of production and now I'm VP of production. Um, at LNK so yeah I mean it's I've I've seen a lot of growth and I've seen us grow and I, I hope that I've been able to help us you know in that growth and you know I've never been in in all the jobs you know I've always gotten to learn I've I've gotten lots of learning experiences throughout every job mm. there's things you learn that work great things that you think can be improved upon and you can take those on to the next job with you know internally is like a personal thing for me that I can work on and like, oh, I think, uh, you know, the way, you know, we could operate this system could work better. You know, you, you always learn all these little uh, elements that could be fixed or better. And I, I, I'm hoping that through my different production experiences, I've been able to help bring some of those things and, and help elevate, you know, not only some of our projects, but just our overall business in general. I mean, yeah. we have... And
1: people too, I'm sure. Correct,
0: yeah. I mean, we have a phenomenal team. and I mean, the, the big thing, is we have a phenomenal retention rate and i think they've you know andy and eli the the two owners of lock and key have done a phenomenal job of fostering a environment where people feel you know validated and you know your opinion matters Hmm. like and that is not the case in a lot of places and like if you legitimately have a a concern or a thought that like hey i think there's a better way to do this like even in the busy times like yes yeah, sometimes it may get overlooked because we're really busy but we will come back to it and, and figure out like we'll take that into account like and and, and it is always taken into account I, that's you know that's something i can't say that has been in any of my, uh, my other jobs in in the the level to which i think that they actually take that to heart which is a big 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 i think testament to our success
1: um yeah there's There's something about knowing that your opinion matters and, you know, there's, there's these huge companies, these huge, I mean, there's, I I forget the name of the hedge fund and uh, that, that is operated by this guy, Ray Dahlia, something like that. And he's like, every single person at our company's opinion matters. This is an idea meritocracy. Mm. And the best. Like that way phrase, it's y- nice. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, I, it's not who comes up with the idea. It's the merit of the idea of whether or not. Right. Um, and and wh- whether or not something uh, gets implemented or, or whatever gets taken on. But uh, But one of the things that he says is the same thing you mentioned, which is turnover is super low because yeah. people feel like they're they matter absolutely and i think that's uh, people want to have purpose in their absolutely. job and i think it's one of the most important things and it seems like smart leaders do do that do and that, it seems yeah. to be working yeah. with and i with think it's, yeah, key.
0: it's something you have to work on every day and i mean it's it's, it's tough to con you know Constantly and consistently do that because sometimes it's like, no, this is the way that things need to happen. But it's like, I think, you know, paying attention to it and being mindful that, the, that there are other ideas on the table and we should we should we should look at them and, and really think about them is is just it, it is the measure of success. And I think that, you know, that shows in the success that we've had. And and again, you know, it's it's been nice. I started in, you know, it's funny because like I think that one of our allures is, you know, we have this festival world that is it's funny because again i you know used to be in bands and do all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and i found my way back into a company that also still you know works in that realm you the know I, I can still have a little piece of that now uh, you know with family it's tough to go on all of them and, and you know we we keep adding them every year and you know you've you know you've already had both andy's on and you know they can speak to the festival world considerably more than i can but um you know it's it's a it's a, it's a an alluring thing for new employees it's you know it's definitely like ooh wow that's that's fun that's cool and it is it's incredible to be able to like you know come in and be like oh man we can go to music festivals and work like that could be our job we could go and actually film that and like edit stuff
1: it was for a scale t- it was yeah. a scale tipper for me it, yeah I mean, it was, it, I mean it was it was the one, it was I one mean, of the reasons it is definitely
0: cool factor yeah. you know 10 i mean it, it is in some client meetings you know I think Felu actually tells the story in his um, podcast about you know I don't remember the, the specific thing and I'm not going to you know fully recant it but it's like you know essentially the client meeting was sort of fizzling out and he kind of brought up and brought up some videos and everyone else and, and it totally corporate you know it's a it's a completely non music yeah. related sort of client but Bringing up that sort of the, that vibe, you know, it like it totally changed the demeanor of the room and like pulled it back into our favor in that sort of scenario and like sure. won the client over because, again, it you know, it it's was almost there. Exactly. And, it, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. And it, it it drew me in and it's like I don't I don't work on as many as I used to. Um, because of my responsibilities, both at home with family, but also what I do in the office and, and on, you know, local, you know, our commercial content and everything else. But, you know, I'm we have a lot coming up this year on the docket, and I know I'm going to be on it more. And I'm, I'm actually, you know, it's like, I am excited. It, it's, you know, coming into the new year, it's like that revitalization, you know, that sort of like refreshing sort of like, okay, you know, like how can I look at the entire year and figure out like, how am I going to best put all of my... My, my focusable tasks this year. Like here are the things that I want to accomplish. I want to make sure that we're being as efficient as possible in, you know, the festival world plus our branded content world and our marketing division and our commercial division. It's like, how can I, I need to make sure that we're all running at a hundred and, you know, no one's kind of falling behind. Everyone's getting all the production needs they need. They're all right. met. We're the consistency and the quality is staying at our, you know, our sort of standard, um, but it's also exciting to be like, oh yeah, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to go to shaky knees and work this year. You know, the the I, it's fun to be able to actually pick and choose which ones I, yeah. you know, yeah, I want to do that one, that one, and that one. You know, it's like, and that's there is there's 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 something to be said about that being there's a cool factor to it.
1: There is in that room full of suits that uh that you're that you you know I'm sure fell you was meeting with correct uh, you know. That's uh, half like, of them go. Oh, to, absolutely! To, to yeah, no, yeah, yeah, The festivals. It's like, yeah. Oh, I, I feel seen now. Correct. <laughs> yes. Well, I got to tell you, man. I am. Uh, I've been thrilled to get to know you, and uh, yeah, it's been I'm, awesome. It, it really has been great, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this next year uh, of us, you know, doing not just the festival stuff, but but plenty of other things together as well. And uh, I appreciate you taking me in uh, hey. with open arms. And uh,
0: So far, you know, you've been doing phenomenal. And, uh, you know, we've all already been speaking your praises. And, uh, you know, again, it's we're always looking for new and fresh talent. And it's like there's so much talent in Knoxville. And there's so many, like, you know, again, there's so many phenomenal companies that are doing great work. And, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to get to have you, you know, come over to us. And yeah. I can't wait to see all the things we're going to do. But it's I love also seeing whatever like the the cool thing about the community is that you know yes technically are we direct competitors to some other companies in other ways but it's like you know we're also a small enough market it's like uh, man by you know Pop Fizz or Big Slate or Frame Theory getting a gig and I'm yeah, like draft. you know yeah Draft I mean it's like they're all doing great work, and every time I see something, then I'm like, man, I wish I would have shot that, or that's a great opportunity, or that yeah. looked good. It's like this makes me want to make my stuff better. And like sure. We're elevating each other and pushing each other to to be better. I mean, similar internally, it's like, you know, a project that I direct is only is only as good as it is because the rest of the team ensured mm. to make sure that you know it's like we're all a part of the whole. And yeah. it's like, it doesn't work if we're not all there. You know, yeah. it's like we're, we work in a collaborative
1: process. So, sure. And, and I think that's a good uh, comparison to make between like an internal team and then the production market as a whole that we have around, at, yeah, that we have around here. Cause we have a lot of, a lot of companies who are pushing each other to do better work. And I am not, if like, it was a monopoly, it'd be really sterile. It would be, it'd be very boring. And also, I want, you know, it, 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 so cliche for you know the rising tide float all boats floats yeah, all sure. boats thing but you do want the you do want everybody to do well it means absolutely. good things for all of us and i don't feel like i don't feel any kind of like i don't know if i just don't have the competitive nature i do have that but i don't feel that towards other companies in the marketplace who are doing work on the same level as us right because uh i want all of them to do to do well yeah absolutely. and sure i want to i, I want to You know, I want to win the win the work and do and do the. the There there is a competition
0: point, but I think it's a friendly
1: cooperatoratition. Yeah, is a a way that I've heard it put before. Yeah, absolutely. Buy into absolutely because if any of those other companies ever needed anything, you know, be happy to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Again, I'm.
0: I'm glad that I found a company that supports me to be the best version of me that I can be, but also supports me to make sure that all the other, all the rest of my team around me, I can make sure that they're being the best version that they possibly can be. Sure. Like, it's, it's very, um, what's the best way to put it? Um, I don't know. You know, it's, there's not many times that I can actually say so far in my life from a working standpoint, like, I would like to retire here, but it's like, I would, I would, I would love to be able to see this company to multiple next stages of its growth. Right. And then be able to be like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm going to go yeah. sit on the beach now or, you know, go twiddle in, you know, my workshop because I, you know, yeah. will probably still build another proton pack when I'm older. Who knows? <laughs> to bring it full circle. Um, But and also I want to work a miniature into a piece of work this this year. Let's do it. I want to work some form of miniature. So you I make swear sure to that. God, if
1: you set my hair on fire. Don't I'm you. not going to do. I'm not going <laughs> to set your hair on fire. I might set someone's hair on fire, but not your hair. Well, man, thanks for coming by and doing this. And thanks for, like I said, thanks for uh, uh, being so welcoming of, uh, of of the new guy over here.
0: Hey, man. Technically, you're not the new guy anymore. <laughs> Talking about you, Matthew.
1: <laughs> thanks, Doug. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you,
0: Ben. Again, so good to be on the show. And again, I am just one of many incredible people you've had on here.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm extremely honored that you asked me to be a part of it. So. Of course, man. Yeah. Well, I'm coming for the rest of them, too. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All nice. right. Take care, man. Thanks.